Shabbos. Let's get going. So today's daf is daf Yud Tes, page 19 of Masechus Megillah. Uh, we got up to the top line, and we're going to restart to a couple of short Gemaras till we get to the Mishnah. We're going to restart from the bottom, very, very bottom line of Yud Ches Amad Beis. Here we go. The Mishnah said, If the Megillah was written with Sam, okay? Sam is a type of ink. The Gemara is going to explain what exactly it is. The Gemara says, very bottom line, Sam is Sam. Sikra, what is Sikra? Amar Rabba Barbachana, Sikrasa Shema. Sikra is Sikrasa. Another Rashi, Rashi explains another type of red ink. Kumus is kuma. Kumus is sap from a tree. Okay, top of today's daf, kankantum. What is kankantum? Says the Gemara, charta de ushkafi. It is shoe polish, black shoe polish. Diftera, diftera, which we translate, which we know to be unfinished cloth. It's parchment, but it's not yet completed. So in what way, what was done to it, what still needs to be done. So Diftera, the Gemara explains, Demeliach, the parchment was salted, Ukemiach, and they also spread out some, uh, uh, a very thin layer of flour. However, below uppets, they did not smear any gallnut on it. And Niyar, paper, is Machka. It's uh, some sort of, it's papyrus, it's, it's uh, some sort of plant. Okay, period. That is the end of the explanation of that part of the Mishnah. Then the Mishnah said, so what does the Megillah need to be written in in order to be kosher? We're now on the second line of Yud Tev Samar Aleph at the end by the two dots, says the Gemara. Ad ksuva ashuris. The Megillah, in order to be kosher, has to be written in ashuris, has to be written in Hebrew. Why does it need to be written in Hebrew, Dechsev? Because it says, Kichsavam, as, as it was written, Vichizmanam, according to their time, in the same way it was written in Lashon Kodesh, it must remain in Lashon Kodesh. So it's got to be done in Hebrew. What else do we need for the Megillah to be kosher? Al HaSefer. It needs to be on completed parchment, finished parchment. Ubediyai, Vichulu. And it needs to be done with black ink. Says the Gemara Menalam. How do we know that for a Megillah to be kosher? It has to be completely produced parchment, completed parchment, and only with black ink. You can't start with your, uh, with your red ink or your sap. How do we know that? It says the Gemara, Asya Ksiva Ksiva. We have a Shava from the words Ksiva Ksiva. It says Ksiva here, and also says the word Ksiva in Yermia. Let's read this through. Ksiv Hacha, it says in Megillah, Esther, Vachtichtaiv Esther Hamalka. And, and uh, Esther Hamalka, Queen Esther, wrote, Uksiv Hasam, and it says in Yermi, and he says to them, Baruch mi piv. Baruch. And Baruch said to them, Mi piv yikra Eli. From his mouth, he called out to me, as called Varamela, all these words, and I wrote it down on completed parchment with black ink. Beautiful. Okay, so we have Xerah Shava letting us know that it must be on completed parchment with black ink, and we learned that it must be in Ashuris, period. Now that uh, now we know the sources for the halacha of what type of Megillah is permitted to be read from. Okay, 
Now we are up to the Mishnah, eight lines from the top of Yud Tes Amad Aleph. Here we go. Very interesting Mishnah for anybody who's ever been in Eretz Yisrael for Purim. Because in Eretz Yisrael, in most of the cities, Purim is on the 14th day. But if it's a walled city, for example, Yerushalayim, you're going to have on the 15th day. Now, it's not difficult to travel from one city to the other. Right? From, let's say, um, uh, Telstone to the old city of Yerushalayim. So, how do I know at what point am I considered to be a, a Yerushalmi? And when am I considered to be from Telstone? Okay? Or Ramat Beit Shemesh, or uh, Haifa, Chves, anywhere else. Alright, so listen to this. This is, this is fascinating. What, what if I'm traveling from one place to the other on that day, right? Says the mission. Ben Ir Shoholach Lekrach. If you have somebody from an unwalled city, he lives in an unwalled city, but he goes to a walled city. So he lives in Ramat Beit Shemesh, and he goes to Yerushalayim. Uben Krach Shoholach Leir, or vice versa. Somebody lives in Yerushalayim, and he goes to Ramat Beit Shemesh. If he plans on going back to his house, Rashi says, the Gemara will explain to us what it means when you're going back. So you read according to where you live. The Imlav, but if you don't plan on going home, you read with the place of the people where you're at. So let's just clarify. I live in Yerushalayim. I happen to be in Ramat Beit Shemesh on the 14th day of Adar. My Purim is the 15th. I I'm, I'm, happen to be in Ramat Beit Shemesh. I have family. I'm visiting family. For them, it's Purim. Is it Purim for me too? So, says the Mishnah, if I plan on going back to my living uh, city, Yerushalayim, I don't hear the Megillah with them. But... Otherwise, if I don't intend to be Lachsar, we'll explain what Lachsar means, I don't intend to go back, then my mitzvah of Megillah is with them in Ramat Beit Shemesh. Okay. A completely separate halacha. Where does a person need to start reading the Megillah from in order to fulfill his obligation? You've got to read the whole Megillah from beginning until the end. We learned this yesterday. There's a machlaikas. We, we touched upon this. Rebuda says... You only need that b'diyeved. You only need to begin hearing the Megillah from the pasuk of Ishihudi, which is the beginning of the second parak, the second chapter. Rabbi Yaisi says you only need to begin hearing from the beginning of Parak Gimel, the third chapter, when we are introduced to Haman. Okay, fascinating Mishnah. Lots of Gemara um, to uh, to explain this. Let's get going. Omar Rava says the Gemara. Rabbi says, The halacha of our Mishnah, where we say somebody from Yerushalayim who's visiting Ramat Beit Shemesh and plans on going back means he plans on going back on the night of the 14th. If he doesn't plan on going back during the 14th, so you also read on the 14th day of Adar. Amarava, Rava says, What's my proof? How do I know this? That just, how do I know 
that if I'm visiting somewhere else and I intend to stay there overnight, that I need to hear the Megillah with them. It says in the Pasuk, The Yidden who live in unwalled cities. Look at the word. It says the Jews from the unwalled cities that dwell in the unwalled cities. So let's see. It says, It says the Jews from the unwalled cities. But then it says, Why does it also need to say, Who dwell in the unwalled cities? It seems to be redundant. You're from the redundant school of redundancy. The Kiddush over here in the Pasuk is, the Paros ben Yomo Nikra Paros. That even if I'm only dwelling in the unwalled city for this night, it's not where I usually live, but this is where I dwell, I read the Megillah then as well. Okay, so therefore, how do we read the Pasuk now? HaYehudim HaProzim the Jews in the unwalled cities, even if they're dwelling temporarily in the unwalled city, they're also going to have the Megillah then. Says the Gemara, okay, got it. Clarified. Ashkechon Paros. We found a source to let us know that if somebody lives in an unwalled city, they hear the Megillah. Mukif But how do you know the same thing works the other way? How do you know if somebody lives in an unwalled city, they live in Ramat Beit Shemesh, and they're traveling to Yerushalayim, that they're going to have to hear the Megillah in Yerushalayim if they're temporarily residing there. What's the source that it goes the other way? Says the Gemara Svaru, logic. If dwelling in an unwalled city for an evening makes you an unwalled city dweller, the same thing should apply everywhere. So too, when you're dwelling in a walled city. Period. End of that discussion. Okay. And Rabbah teaches us another halacha. Ben Kvar Shalach Le'ir. Fascinating case. Listen to this. Somebody from a small village <coughs> excuse me, goes into an unwalled town. Whether or not he plans on being there overnight on the 14th, he's obligated to read the Megillah with them. Listen to this. Is interesting because we learned in the Mishnah in the beginning of the Masechet. A townsperson. Really their Purim is the 14th. But we allow them to hear the Megillah sometimes even earlier, right? They can read the Megillah on the 11th, the 12th, the 13th. If they live in a city where the marketplace is dependent on the, on the, on the walled city. If they live in a town where it's dependent on the, on the... When the marketplace is dependent on the unwalled city. What happens... In the following case, I'm from a small town. I heard the Megillah on the 12th day of Adar. And now I'm visiting the big city on the 14th day of Adar. I already heard my Megillah two days ago. I was allowed to. I happen to be visiting the big city now. Says Rava, you need to hear the Megillah again. That's for sure. You're going to have to hear the Megillah again. My timer. What's the reason? What's the logic behind this? Because really, a villager is supposed to read like a regular city person. However, it was the sages that are lenient on the townspeople and allow them to read it earlier so that so that there'll be enough food or water for their fellow townspeople. So 
really Purim is supposed to, and Megillah is supposed to be on the 14th. We were lenient on them. We're only going to be lenient on you when you have no other option. You're in your town now. You're back in your town for Purim. You've got to make sure that your townspeople have food and water. But if you're in the big city and you're not supplying your fellow townspeople with food right now, you're a regular unwalled city person. Your Purim is the 14th, period. Okay? This is actually very logical. This is very logical. And let's explain this outside. An unwalled city person has Purim on the 14th of Adar. A, a walled city person has Purim on the 15th of Adar. In order for them to be considered an unwalled person to be part of a walled city, they need to be there overnight. All right? And vice versa. Otherwise, you keep your status of your Purim is either the 14th or 15th. However, it says, Rabbi, when it comes to a townsperson, just because you heard your Megillah on the 12th did not change when your Megillah really ideally should have been read. Just because you heard on the 12th does not remove the obligation of you being there on the 14th. So, practically speaking, says Rava, if I'm from a town and I'm visiting an unwalled city on Purim, whether or not I stay over doesn't matter. I'm obligated to hear the Megillah. Even if I'm visiting for a half hour, I'm obligated to hear the Megillah because, the, because it is my Purim. It's my Purim today. And therefore, i got to hear the Megillah again. Esvi Abaye, Abaye challenges Rabba's halacha. Ben krak shalach liyer ben kachu ben When you have a guy from a krach, from a, from a uh, town that goes to a city, either way, you read ben koimai. Now, what does this mean? Ben krak so Does this mean a, a regular city person? It should be dependent on whether you're staying overnight to the morning. So it must be talking about a villager, and we're still saying that a villager only reads on the 14th if he stayed overnight. Says the Gemara, wrong. We already gave an answer, and we said, We said the halacha is, he's obligated to read with them. Okay, Even if he already read with the people from his town, He's still obligated again to read on the 14th, period. Okay. Gewaldic. Two dots. A little more than halfway down on Yud Tesamadalaf. How much of the Megillah do you need to hear in order to fulfill your obligation? Our Mishnah said a three way dispute. Either the entire thing, or we said a few psukim into the second parak, or for the beginning of the third parak, the third chapter. Let's get into this. The, the Machlokas. What's the source for this Machlokas? Tanya, we learned in a price. Reb Shimon Bar Yechai says, You only need to hear the Megillah from the beginning of the third parak. So, somebody walks in late to the Megillah reading. You walk in late to the Megillah reading. The reader already started. They're in the middle of the second chapter. You're still fine. As long as you hear starting from the beginning of the third chapter, says the Shimba Yechai, it's not considered like you missed. Omar Rabbi Yechanan. Rabbi Yechanan, uh, Rabbi Yechanan says, okay. Um, 
I'm sorry. I just I made a mistake. Babaylahu was not talking about the, the Haman. That's talk, this is already the, the sixth chapter. This is the beginning of Perak Vav. All right? This is the beginning of Perak Vav. So Shem is actually being the most lenient. He's giving us a fourth part of the dispute. So now we have either from the whole thing, that's our mayor, or you have um, Perak Bey's Pasuk Hay, or you have Perak Gimel, and now we even have Pasuk Vav. Okay. Now let's get into this four-way machlekes. Amar Rebbechen says, Bekulon Mikra Echad Darshu. And the four-way machlekes is all dependent on the following Pasuk. How to explain it. What does the Pasuk say? Vatichtov Esther HaMalka, Queen Esther wrote, Umordechai HaYehudi and Mordechai the Jew, as Kol HaTaykef. They wrote about all of the Taykef, all of the tremendous, um, the tremendous miracle and powers that took place. So what does it mean, all the powers? So the one who says you need here, the Omegillah says, you, it starts with the power of Achashverosh. Because uh, you know, Achashverosh's status and his power around the whole world is mentioned in the beginning. Achashverosh, 127 provinces, uh, power. You find the word, you, you find power in the beginning, and therefore, we're going to darshan the pasuk to mean as long as there's power, you got to hear it. The whole Megillah must be heard. Umanda Omar may ish Yehudi, and the one who says you only need to hear from from uh, ish Yehudi, Abira, That's right. That is That is the power of Mordechai when Mordechai came to power. Umanda uh, Omar may Achar The one who says it's from Achar Advar Meila, that's Taikva Yishal Haman. This is referring to when Haman uh, started coming to power. Umanda Omar me Balayla Hahu, and the one who says Balayla Hahu, when Nadadosh Nasamelech, the king was not able to sleep, Taikva Yishal Meis is talking about the power of the miracle. Now is when things are starting to turn, and the miracle is going to start falling into place to save Kalal Yisrael. So that is. Um, that is going to be the one verse, says, says Rabbi Yechanan, one verse, one Pasuk, and the four-way dispute how to understand that Pasuk. Rav Huna, Rav Huna says another source for the four-way dispute of, of what must be heard. It says in the Megillah, Umar Ra'u, and what did they see? Al-Kacha, on what? Umahigia Halayim, and what ultimately ended up happening? Okay? Meaning, at the, in, in the Megillah, the Pasuk says that the purpose of the Megillah is to let people know the circumstances that led up to Purim and the ultimate outcome. Now, Manda Markula, the one who holds the whole Megillah, needs to be read. How does he darshan this? What did Achashverosh see? That he used the vessels of the Beis Hamikdash al Kacha on this Mishum the Chashib Shim Shon of because he miscalculated his seventy years. He thought it was a proper calculation. We weren't redeemed yet. And what ended up happening at that party? Cut out the Kotal Vashti. Vashti was killed. That was very important, and therefore you got to have that in your Megillah. You got to have. You must have heard that in order to fulfill your mitzvah. Okay, Uman the Yomar Miishihudi, and the Man the Yomar who says. That you need to hear the Megillah from Ishihudi. What? How does he darsh in the pasuk? What did Mordechai see that Haman got so upset at him about? 
Mordechai saw in Haman that he made himself into an Avedazara, so he refused to bow down. And what ended up happening? Because Mordechai refused to bow down, this Rachish Nisa, the miracle happened, and ultimately Haman had a downfall, and Mordechai took his place. And the one who says that we read from Achar Advar Meila, it's what did Haman see that he got upset at all of Klal Yisrael? On this matter, because he was a, he couldn't handle that there was this Mordechai who was not bowing down to him. And what ended up happening? Because Haman was so arrogant and he couldn't fathom, he couldn't handle. Mordechai not bowing down, so he thought he was being a tough guy, and him and his kids ended up swinging from the tree, uh, from the gallows. And the Mandomar who says that it, they only need to hear from Balailahahu when Achashverosh couldn't sleep. What did Achashverosh see that he asked for the Book of Remembrances, things that were done for, on his behalf, to be brought and read? Al Kacha on the following. Because since Esther invited Haman, so he became very, um, to the party, so he became very insecure. And he wanted to know, hey, maybe there's some sort of plot going on between the two of them. And what ended up happening, the the miracle happened. Okay, Gavaldik. So we have two sources of the four-way machlaikas. According to either source, it's one pasuk that all four opinions can uh, are are really branching out of. Here we go. In the name of Rav, halacha is you need to hear the entire Megillah. If you walk into shul and there's one pasuk in, and you don't have your own Megillah to read, your own kosher Megillah to read from to catch up on. Okay, I don't know if you need a kosher Megillah. We'll we'll. Uh, you know, to, to, be, to be discussed at a different, different time, the exact halachas, but you got to make sure you got the whole Megillah in. He agrees that the entire Megillah needs to be written in the Megillah, um, in the Megillah that you're reading from. The Megillah cannot start from there. Megillah is called a Sefer, meaning... It has all the laws of the Holy Torah Scrolls. The Nikri Igeres, and it's also called a letter. Nikra Sefer Shemtafar Bechute Pishtam Sula. It's called a Sefer because it carries the halachos that it cannot be sewn with linen. It's, it needs to be, uh, it needs to be uh, sewn with proper sinew. Uh, I shouldn't say that yet. Uh, but you, you can't use linen to sew it. The Nikri Igeres, and it's also called a letter. Shemhito Boshlei Shechute Gidin Kshira that if it's stitched with three sinews, it's going to be kosher. Okay. Now, a Sefer Taira needs to be, the sinews need to go completely from the top, uh, needs to go pretty much, uh, you could let it leave a little bit at the bottom, a little bit at the top, but a Megillah, we're a lot more lenient on where the sinews need to be. Amar of Nachman, if you have three different places that it is, but it's got to be split up um, into thirds. This way, at least, it's stitched appropriately and it will not come to rip. Rabbi Yudah says in the name of Shmuel, another halacha. 
about Megillah, Akari b'Megillah, Haksuva b'Ein Haksuv. Very interesting, very interesting situation. Let's explain outside. We're familiar with the one who reads the Megillah. He gets up in shul. He takes out his beautiful Megillah. He starts reading. What happens if somebody has a scroll of ksuvim, of writings, all together, right? In one Sefer Torah, we have all five books of the Torah. Okay? Um, what happens if somebody has the Megillahs together? He has a, the Balkori gets up to read, and he has... Um, Koheles, Rus, Esther, Eicha. It's all together in this scroll. Is that okay? The Megillah that I'm reading from, does it have to be its own Megillah? Or can it be part of a much larger scroll that that holds other Megillahs as well? So, Rabbi Yudah says, name is Shmuel. HaKorei b'Megillah haksuva bein haksuvim. A person who reads from a Megillah that's connected to other ksubim. Okay? There's other scrolls written on the parchment. Lo yotza. You do not fulfill your obligation. The Megillah's Esther must be on its own. That's only true if, um, if uh, you can't tell a difference between the Megillah of Megillah's Esther and everything else. But if, let's say, the rest of the scroll was written in a specific writing, going from top to bottom, and then Megillah's Esther is written with its own unique writing, then it would be okay. As long as you can show a clear differentiation within the scroll, within the Sefer, that this is clearly Megillah's Esther, Rava says you can have other Megillah's on the parchment as well. Aval, but, mechasro, mistaira, porta, leslamba. Okay? But if it's a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, less, lon, but, there's no, um, there, there, there's no problem, okay? As long as there's a clear, even if the parchment is a little longer, a little shorter, that's going to be okay. Levi Bar Shmuel was reading the, the Megillah in front of Rabbi Yehuda, and it was top of Yud Tes Omud Beis Haksuva Bein Haksuvim. The Megillah that he was using was connected to other writings. Uh, you should not be doing this because we paskin that, that a Megillah that is connected to other ksuvim, to other writings, is not going to be valid. If a person reads from the Megillah that's together with other writings, he's not yatsa but then he gave himself a little patch on the forehead, a little like, you know, like, oh, one second, like a light bulb went off. And he says, When you're reading from this Megillah on behalf of the congregation, that's when it's a problem. But when you're reading it for yourself, it's not a problem. How much space that needs to be left in the margins of the Megillah is... Um, um, Now, if it's it's obviously not dealing specifically um, with uh, with the Megillah, 
it's referring to any Sefer, because it's coming from Harsinai. So when it comes to a Sefer Torah, how much space it needs to be left, how big of a margin do you leave between paragraphs and at the end of the parchment? And again, he gave himself a tap on the forehead. He says that um, actually the purpose of a margin is to ensure that um, the, the cloth, the actual parchment, wouldn't come to rip. When it's a little too tight, when if, you're gonna, if you're not going to leave anything towards the end, then sometimes when it comes to Hagba, Glila, so on and so forth, and it becomes a little too taut, um, so it could lead to the, the parchment ripping. Another halacha, were both in a cave when HaKadosh Baruch allowed them to see his back. He says, if there would have been an opening in the cave, the size of a small needle, sidkis. The size of a small, uh, the opening of a small needle. Maisha and Eliyahu would not have been able to live because of the light. No person can ever see the Rabbani Shalom and continue to live. What's in the Pasuk which says, And on the Luchais were the words of the, that, uh, that Hashem spoke to Klai Yisrael Bahar from the mountain, Melamed Sharoa HaKadosh Baruch Hu L'Maisha Diktukei Taira, beautiful, HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed Maisha Rabbeinu the Diktukim of Taira, the fine points of the Taira, the Diktukei Seifrim, the fine points that were going to come out later on from the Seifrim, from the Rabbanon, Uma Sheha Seifrim Atzil L'Chadesh, and the Svarim that in the future um, are going to be published. Maisha, people published Svarim on Taira, Moshe Rabbeinu, at Har Sinai was shown all the Torah that's going to be written for all later generations. Umayniu, Mikra Megillah. And what specifically is this referring to? Mikra Megillah. Maish Rabbeinu saw the mitzvah of reading the Megillah. This is such a, a uh, I believe it's a, a, a beautiful limud in Derech Eretz. You know, Maish Rabbeinu is, is the, the, the one who took it upon himself, he was chosen to, and he, he carried us through by, by giving us the Torah. You know, he was the, the mouthpiece of the Rabbani Shalala. And when you work on something, and you dedicate yourself to something, it's very, it's, it's Derech Eretz, that when people see fruits of somebody else's labor, to go back to that person and show it to them. There's a well-known story with Yaakov Kamenetsky where one of his students, they had an they had a issue with, with one of their children. And for a while it was very touch and go whether this child's going to make it. And Baruch Hashem, the child, you know, the, the medical uh, team in this hospital did a, you know, did a, had a tremendous care and they did a wonderful job. And the parents wanted to know how to show appreciation to the medical staff. And Rabbi Yaakov told that they wanted to they send flowers, chocolates, ice cream. Like, what do you send? And Rabbi Yaakov said, you know, said you should know the greatest, um, the greatest gift 
you could give the medical team is every year on your child's birthday, bring him back to the hospital and show the doctors and nurses how this child that they helped is doing. Just let them see the fruits of their labor. Go in with your child and just say thank you every year on his birthday. Because if not for their help and that them being the messengers of Hashem, um, you wouldn't have been zaycha to have that birthday. But that's the greatest satisfaction you can, you can give a medical staff. And that's what's happening. It, it's so beautiful that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Kaviyachol, so to speak, is doing this for Maishu Rabbeinu. All the Torah is coming from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But on our Sinai, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Maishu, let me show you. Let me show you. Let me give you nachas. Right? Let me show you the fruits of your labor that are, uh, that are coming about. And it's a beautiful uh, thing for us to think about in our personal lives. When something happens, sometimes we forget about who helped us you know, get to certain places. Proper derech eretz to to let fill people in that their their efforts didn't go to waste. Okay, says the Mishnah about a third of the way down on 19b Megillah. Anybody is capable of reading the Megillah. Now that's a pretty general statement. Anybody and says the Mishnah. Okay, here's some exceptions. Chutz, with the exception of except for a cherish a def. Uh, a deaf mute, it's usually a deaf mute, it obviously can't mean a mute because this person's reading. Um, shaita, a shaita, a person doesn't have mental stability, the katan or a katan, okay, or a minor. Rebuda machshir bekatan. Rebuda says that a katan is okay. A katan is permitted to read the Megillah. The Gemara is going to get into a fascinating conversation um, about different stages of, of a katan. Right? You can have a katan who's six months old, you can have a katan that's 11 years old and can actually read a Megillah with understanding. Is there a difference between the two? So here we go. Says the Gemara. Our Mishnah seems to say that a deaf person is not allowed to read the Megillah for others. Who, uh, who's the Tana who says that a deaf person cannot read the Megillah? Amr of Masna, Rav Masna says, Rabbi Yaisi, a person who reads Shema, but he does not say it loud enough for his own ears to hear it. You still got your mitzvah. Rabbi Yaisi, wrong. Rabbi says, you did not fulfill it. And therefore, a deaf person cannot read because he can't hear himself. Rabbi Yaisi says, how do you know that Tanah Mishnah is Rabbi Yaisi v'diyeh and when our Mishnah says that a deaf person cannot read it, it means even with the Ebed, they have, they, they have not fulfilled their mitzvah. Don't worry, Yehudi. Maybe it's Rabbi Yehuda, Lachachila, Hudalai, Hadi Ebed, Shapardami. Maybe it's following Rabbi Yehuda, who holds that a deaf person, um, who holds that a person in general should try to hear, but if you didn't, at least you did fulfill it with the Ebed. So ask the Gemara, maybe when our Mishnah says, Everyone could read it. Besides for a cherishot of a katan, maybe that means lechatchila they shouldn't read it. Ideally, they shouldn't read it. But with the Ebed, ex post facto, it still would be valid. Answers the Gemara, no. Don't assume that. Don't say that it's possibly Rabbi Yehuda. Why not? The Ketani, because it's in our Mishnah we learned, cherish shaita v'katan, which means cherish dumya de shaita v'katan. The deaf person is similar to the Shota and the Kata. Okay, how are they similar? 
Ma shota v'katan, just like by a shota and a katan, di'evet namilo. We know for sure, if somebody's a shaita, they don't have any mental capacity. They certainly have not fulfilled the mitzvah, so too with a katan. And I'm putting a cherish in the same category, so af cherish di'evet namilai. So by cherish as well, di'evet namilai. Okay, so therefore we're assuming that it's Rabbi Yisi and not Rabbi Yehuda. Says the Gemara, okay, who says? Maybe Cheresh Shaitavikatan means that they all shouldn't read it. And then a Cheresh who could read it and has mental capacity, he just can't hear himself, did not fulfill the Yavad, did not fulfill the Chachila, but the Yavad is okay while a Cheresh, while a Shota and a Katan are not even fulfilling the Yavad. Maybe each one is going to have their own, uh, their own the Yavad Dika Halacha. So the Gemara says, okay, I'll tell you another reason why the Reisha, why the Chutz Mecher Shaita V'Katan cannot be the pin of Rabbi Yehuda, because at the end of the Mishnah, we talk about Rabbi Yehuda. And if Rabbi Yehuda is the beginning of the Mishnah and the end of the Mishnah, why at the end are we saying, oh, Rabbi Yehuda, uh, Rabbi Yehuda The whole Mishnah is him. So the Gemara says, Vidoma Kula Rabbi Yehudi, maybe Taka the whole Mishnah is Rabbi Yehuda. No, Vidomi Rachel Absula Vesefer Lakshir. It's not possible because at the in the Rasha it says Psula Vesefer Lakshir and the that. What, what are you going to tell me? You're going to tell me that the beginning, which talks about a katan, is not valid. Rabbi Yehuda Machshir Bekatan. I thought the beginning is Rabbi Yehuda too. So you're going to tell me if you're, the whole Mishnah is Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda is going to say like this. A katan is not valid. The Rabbi Yehuda makshir b'katan. Rabbi Yehuda says a katan is valid. Does that make any sense? No. <laughs> you, can't, you can't have one person tell me two contradictory statements. And therefore, it needs, the ratio needs to be Rabbi Yehuda. Says the Gemara, okay, let me keep going at this. And again, this is so classic Gemara style and important to point out why... Gemara is crucial because it's teaching us that nothing is true until everything else is false. We have to know there's no other possibilities to ultimately get down to the truth. The Dilma Kulra Beauty says the Gemara. One second. I have another possible way to say the whole mission is Rabbi Yehuda. How so? Utre Gavani Katakatanile. Maybe there's two types of katana. What's bothering us right now? What's bothering us is we said the, Mish- the whole Mishnah cannot be rebuted. Why? Because in the first part of the Mishnah it says a cut on a minor is not valid. And then it says Rabbi Yehuda says a minor is valid. He can't be, he can't make both statements. Says Gemara, maybe he could. And there's two different categories of minors. Let's read this. And the Mishnah is missing words. And this is really what it should say. Everybody's capable of reading the Megillah. Everybody's allowed to read the Megillah. When is this statement qualified as true? That is by a minor that has not yet reached the age of Chinuch. He's a very young minor. Doesn't really have the, the capacity to fully understand the Megillah. But once you have a child who's reached the age of Chinuch, 
maybe such a child is completely allowed to read the Megillah, Rabbi Yehuda Machshir B'Katan, because Rabbi Yehuda allows a Katan. According to this reading, Rabbi Yehuda very much can be the author of our Mishnah. And it's not necessarily Rabbi Yaisi. Says the Gemara, pause. Okay. Says the Gemara, pause. One second. We said the author of the Mishnah is going to be Rabbi Yaisi. And you're saying, it ain't true till it's true. Prove that it's Rabbi Yaisi, I can, I can possibly squeeze Rabbi Yehuda in. I can make Rabbi Yehuda be the author of a Mishnah by saying there's different categories of Kitan. Okay, says the Gemara, let's just think for a moment. According to this approach, that Rabbi Yehuda is the author of the Mishnah, how are we going to establish the Mishnah now? To Rabbi Yehuda? Rabbi Yehuda is going to be, uh, is going to be the Tana? Vidi Eved, and it's after the fact. Okay? It's Bidi Eved. Meaning that it's Bidi Eved for the Katan to read. Elohad the Tani Rabbi Yehuda, Braider of Shimon Pazi. But Rabbi Yehuda, the son of Rabbi Shimon Ben Pazi, says, When you have a deaf person who's able to speak, not a mute, able to speak, just can't hear, that such a cherish is allowed to separate truma. There's no problem at all. Money. Who is that? Who, who made that statement? If it's Rabbi Yehuda, the Ebed in Lechatchila Lai. You said Rabbi Yehuda only holds, but the Ebed you should do it, but Lechatchila Lai. And why would we allow him here to, by truma, to separate his truma even Lechatchila? And Rabbi Yaisi, and if you're going to say the Tana of our Mishnah is Rabbi Yaisi, who holds that B'diyevet, it's not valid, D'yevet nami lai, either way, it should not be valid. So, I can't, so th- this uh, Brisa is not going to fit with Rabbi Yaisi's approach, nor is it going to fit with Rabbi Yehuda's approach. The Elamai, so what are you going to come out with? We're going to say like this. Here's how we're going to stup it all in. Yeah, we're going to say as follows. Rabbi Yehuda, we're going to say that the Tana is Reb Yehuda who holds that even Lechatchila, even ideally, there's no need for somebody to hear what comes out of their mouth. And a Cheresh, a deaf person that can speak, can Lechatchila separate Shruma, not a, even though he can't hear his brachos. That's what you're going to say. But we learned in Ebrisa, a person should not say Birchas Hamazain by heart. Okay? A person should not say Birchas Hamazain by heart. But if he did, he fulfilled his mitzvah. Money. You should be allowed to recite it. Belibai doesn't mean by heart. Belibai means in his thoughts. A person shouldn't say in his thoughts. Okay? Meaning, you shouldn't just think about it. Sometimes you have people who sit by the table after, after the su'uda, and they're just like, you know, eye scanning the words without actually pronouncing them, without articulating them. So you're not, that you're not allowed to do it. But if you did, yotzer. Okay. Now, that can't be Reb Yudah or Reb Yudah. Why? Because I Reb Yudah, if it follows Reb Yudah, afilu lechatchila. There should, you don't need to hear words ever. So if I don't need to hear the words, why should I need to pronounce it with my lips? And he, Rabbi Yaisi, 
And if it's the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi, even ex post facto, it should not be valid. You should have to hear what comes out of your mouth. Answers the Gemara, top of tomorrow's daf, and we'll hold it here. Really, the Tana of the Brisa of Truma is going to be Rabbi Yehuda, who holds that even Lechatchila, you do not need to hear it. I, what about our Brichas HaMazayin? Velokasha. There's no question between the Truma and the Brichas HaMazayin. Hadidei, Hadarabei. When do we say that, um, when do we say that a deaf person is allowed to separate Truma without hearing? That's Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. He holds Lechatchila is no problem. Hadarabei, as opposed to by Birchas HaMazan, that it has to be pronounced with your lips, that's following the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda's Rebbe. And Bez Zemah Mati Shabbos, we're going to prove that, uh, Rabbi Yehuda's, uh, that Rabbi Yehuda quotes the opinion of his Rebbe to say that, that uh, if a person does not hear the Birchas HaMazan, it's only going to be kosher b'diyeved, and it's not going to be kosher l'chatchila. We'll pick up from here, Bez Hashem, 6.30 on Matzei Shabbos. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody.